In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Illumine our hearts, O Master, who love us, mankind, with pure light of the divine knowledge, and open the eyes or mind to the understanding of the gospel teachings. Implant in us also the fear of the blessed commandments of trembling down all carnal desires. We may enter upon a spiritual manner of living, both thinking and doing such things are well pleasing unto thee. For thou art the illumination of our souls and bodies of Christ our God, and unto thee we ascribe glory. Together with thy Father, most everlasting, and all holy and good and life giving spirit, now and ever to the ages of ages. Amen. Blessed Annunciation, Ascension to everybody. Blessed Feast Day. One of those AN feast days. Amen. Anyway, glorious liturgy last night. And we're off. Uh, let's see. I think we were not quite through. Uh, ten. We're in the middle of section of uh, verses 32 to 42 of Matthew 10. And we got two-thirds of the way through it. I think we're at verse 40. Does that sound about right? Yes. All right. Yeah. All right, so why don't we pick up with verse 40, just to do 40 to 42, refresh our, our minds, what we're going to listen to and look at. Any brave volunteers? I'll take Thanks. it. It's only two. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Did someone else volunteer? I was going to volunteer Elaine, but when you spoke up, we'll give it to you. <laughs> go ahead. Let's hear Elaine. <laughs> Thank you, Father. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward, and he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Okay, any uh, translation differences? Um, I know in the um, King James Version, where it says, like, assuredly, in the King James Version says, like, Verily, verily, I say unto you. Yeah. And that's interesting. I don't know if we were talking about this, but when it says that, the Greek is amen, amen. Really? So let it be so, let it be so, um, sort of that emphasis point. With that. Thank you for that. Yeah, there you go. Um, so mine has on 41, he who receives a prophet because he's a prophet. You know, I think yours says in the name of a prophet? Is that yes. What you, yeah. So he receives a prophet because he's a prophet. You can see where in the name of a prophet can be a little more vague. I think this is more clear because he's a prophet. If you receive a prophet because he's a prophet, you're going to receive the prophet's reward. Same thing with a righteous man. Um, so the, there's, before we get the, the deeper meaning, 
uh, on just a, a sort of literal level, what is he talking about? What, what is he saying there? If you receive a prophet because he's a prophet, you're going to receive a prophet's reward. Put that in modern language. It sounds to me, and I could be so off, but that if we're receiving a prophet or a holy man or a priest or a bishop today, um, we're acknowledging their holiness and we're acknowledging an acceptance of the faith in God and a belief in God. And they're so holy that maybe some of that goodness rubs off on us. Good. Yeah, and because and you're deep, Susie, you always go deep and literal. If if I had to if if I had to throw in a an ice cream man, I would say he receives an ice cream man because he's an ice cream man, receives an ice cream man's reward. Which is ice cream. Okay. Yeah. God. <laughs> no, you, you you're you're already five steps ahead of us, but just to get on the literal level, if you go to someone, now, if you, do, if you go there for them for other reasons, you may not get it. But his point is, if you go to them for the reason of who they are, you're going to get what they have to offer. Right? Mm -hmm. So if you receive a prophet because he's a prophet, you're going to get what that prophet has to give you. You're going to get the prophet's reward. If you receive a righteous man because he's a righteous man, he shall receive righteous man reward. Now let's go back to 40, because I think sometimes 40 is hard to understand until we go through and continue his thought. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. So, so who sent Jesus? I think of the bishop and how he stands in for Jesus Christ. Yep. And when we receive him in our church we're receiving jesus christ into our church yep now jesus through through matthew's writing is not restricting this to bishops no although again this is these are his instructions to the disciples when he sends them out so there are people coming on behalf of him right right he who receives you in other words he's going to send them out if they receive you, they're not just receiving you, they're receiving me, meaning Jesus. And he who receives me, and we could throw in parentheses, by receiving you, receives him who sent me. So in other words, he's sending them out as emissaries from him. And even when they go out as emissaries, they're getting the people that are receiving them are receiving him and through him, the father. Make sense? Yes. Yes. So now let's connect back to what we looked at last week. We talked about everyone acknowledge me before man, I will acknowledge my father. You deny me, deny, I'll deny you for the father. And what he said about, you know, not becoming to bring peace or bring a sword. Remember that daughter-in-law, mother-in-law. Mm -hmm. How does that reading, which precedes what we looked at today how does that inform what we're re what what we heard last week or how does it inform what we're reading this week taking all together what we learn
can't help think that it just focuses our lives on Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And that he's telling us that above all else, you need to focus on me to find your own life, to save your life. Yep. And so when they go out in his name or on behalf of him, because he came to bring that truth, and that truth he already said is not going to necessarily bring peace. It's going to bring some division because some will accept it, some will reject it. That same thing now he's saying could happen to them. So when he's saying, don't think I've come to bring peace on earth, I've come not to bring peace, but a sword. And we talk about all that, about that sword of the truth is going to divide those that accept and those who reject. And it's going to bring conflict. Now he's telling them as they're going out, when they receive you, the disciples, they're receiving me and him who sent me. But all those things previous are still included. Again, we, we, we got to be careful not to hear something and say, what does this mean? Without looking at what comes before it and in some sense, what comes after it. Any questions on, on 41, 40 and 41? I right, love now. 42. <laughs> yeah? Why? Because I, I think that it ministers to, it's, it's telling us to um, minister to um, those of them that maybe aren't as um, uh, um, important. And, um, you know, when you think of um, a little one, you think of, um maybe somebody who 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 might need your help mm -hmm. i'm looking at the greek to see if it gives us any uh yeah it's interesting little ones because we haven't been talking about kids at all and really, he's by the end of 42, he's he's told us who the little ones are. Whoever gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple. Truly, I say to you, he should not lose his reward. So anyone, so he's been talking about what those who come to the disciples are going to get. Now he's saying what people give to the disciples. Whoever gives to one of these little ones, which little ones will find out about 10 words, even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple. So who the little See, one? Father, my, my version says in the name of a disciple. Yeah. So again, if you go back to the ones before it, it's in the name of a disciple, meaning in the, in, in by the, they're named that way. Why? Because they are that. So in other words, it's not the one giving who's the one named disciple. It's the one getting. Or, I'm sorry, the opposite. <laughs> the one they're giving to is the disciple. Oh, okay. So they're referring to 
a little one as a disciple? Yeah. And whoever gives to one of these ones even a cup of cold water because he's a disciple. Ah. See, and like mine, like I said, mine says in the name of a disciple. Yeah. And if you look above it, when it says whoever sees a prophet in the name of a prophet. In other words, if you if you go back to 41, we know that the one who is being received is the prophet, right? Yes. Or prophet, because he is a prophet. He means the one who's coming, not the one who receives it. May I interrupt you just for a moment and hold that thought? Try yeah. unplugging one of those speakers and maybe just putting the other speaker closer to you. There's a lot of uh, static in that one. Let's just see if it makes a difference. Better? Try just using one and see, since there's not many of you there today. Yeah. Let's see if that makes a difference. Oh, now I don't hear him. You don't hear anything. Interesting. So one of them's bad, maybe? Yeah, when he was first there, before he spread the two out, I don't know if there was only one on or not, but like I could hear him perfectly. And then he spread the two out and it got really, really bad. I wonder if there's a short. Maybe. That might make sense. Are we on? Yes. No, we're not picking you up, Father, except a little static. Is this any better? Slightly. 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 Put it down and let's see. Check, check, check. And the other one's unplugged, Father? Yeah, I turned it off. I'm going to get the old one. Sorry about that. How about now? Much better.
No, we can't hear you. <laughs> Crazy technology. Can you hear us now? Can you hear us? Yes. Yeah, we can't hear you. <laughs> Darn it. Somebody else say something besides Gretchen. Hello. Testing, testing. Testing. Check, check, check. You can hear us. Yep. We can't hear you at all. Just crazy. Father, you need to go back to the static one. Go ahead. We'll, we can endure it. It's not. Oh, he can't hear me. <laughs> Father, if you need to go back to the staticky one, it was not um, unbearable. We could, I know. Let's try this one. How about now? Can you hear yes. us? We can hear you. Can you hear us? Can you all hear me? Yes. Why can't we hear you though? Let's see. Um... Somebody say something. Hello, hello, hello. No. No. All right, let's I don't have to go back, I'm afraid. I'm gonna try something. Elaine, I'm trying to uh, grasp that that text to a father saying. Oh, about the disciple. Yeah, hang on one second. We can't hear you, Father. We didn't hear you, Father. 
I hear you on the, my phone, but not over the microphone. No. Now. We yes. Oh, we can hear you. Hey. Okay. What'd you hear? Uh, this, I guess, needed to connect up for a minute. I don't know. How's the sound? Is it, how's the quality? It's good, actually. Good. Wow. All right. Well, we're back in business here. Thank you. Someday, this technology will work the way it's supposed to. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right. Still good? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> we all know I get nervous. <laughs> all right. So. You were talking about when it said in the name of a prophet or in the name of a disciple. Yeah. Uh, and you're saying that means it is the prophet. It is the disciple. Yeah. So my translation says um, he receives a prophet because he is a prophet. Shall receive a prophet's reward. The one most you're reading is he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet. Right. So in other words, who's the prophet? The one being received, not the one receiving. Right. Yes. Okay, so we take that same logic to 42. Whoever gives to one of these little ones even a cup of water because he's a disciple or in the name of a disciple, we're not switching to the receiver, right? It's still the one who is coming. So the one being offered the water to is the disciple, not the one who's offering the water. Right? Right. Am I following the logic? That's how I understand it. Okay. So whoever gives to one of these little ones, even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, the, the disciples are receiving. Yes. Because I think sometimes because it's a, it's a confusing wording, like who's, who's receiving, who's giving the water, who's taking the water. And what's the reward? Whoever gives a little one to a cup of cold water because he's a disciple, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. We believe the reward is everlasting life. So Father Mike always tells you when he asks you a question, go back to the verse. <laughs> and this one, you got to go back a few more. Go back to 40. Righteous man's reward, a prophet's reward. So he who receives you receives me, who receives me receives him who sent me. So who? what's the reward, or maybe a better way to put it is, is who's the reward coming from when you receive a disciple? The Father. Yeah. So receiving the disciple and giving them a cup of cold water because he's a disciple, Truly, I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. 
the reward is not just the disciples telling you thank you, or the reward is not just the disciple giving you something. Because you're receiving the disciple, who, because he's there, you're receiving Christ, who, Christ says, you're also receiving the Father. You get, that. that's the reward you get. Right, he came to reconcile mankind to the Father. Christ did. Right. And, but not, not unconditionally, because I think this is where a lot of people get off track in terms of what's, what, what is the ministry of Jesus Christ? And I kind of hinted at this yesterday in my, in my message. It's not just to make this life better, because if we, if we think that, we have to cut out a lot of scripture, right? If you think that, you got to cut out 34 to 39, <laughs> right? So, Charlie, you're right. But it's not, he's going to come and reconcile no matter what. That's why he's coming. However, the process of, of, of that happening, I'm going to chip this door, doing some work down the hall. The process of him doing that is actually going to bring more division, or at least bring the division out. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be uh, division between people who may not have thought they were divided before. Right, daughter-in-law, mother-in-law, uh, man's foes own household. So you're right; that's his goal. But in doing so, it may not look like that. And this is like I was saying yesterday. I think this is a temptation for modern Christians. Well, it's been always a temptation for Christians. But um, we're going to want to be tempted to. Uh, interpret Christ's ministry in the way that we think makes the most sense or that we would want, right? If we see Christ healing, we could say, well, okay, he's come to heal everyone and relieve them of all their illnesses. Only the scripture doesn't give us that. Yes, he heals, and he heals for particular reasons that we've been talking about in the earlier, the earlier chapters. But this is where, again, going back to what he's saying is going to correct mistakes that we might take out of it with all the best intentions, right? I don't, I don't think there are many people who say, I'm going to purposely misinterpret scripture. They have a good intention, but it takes more than good intentions. We have to have the intention of understanding Christ on his terms, not on ours. So simply stated, Father, is the reward God. Yes. So we and whatever God brings. And whatever God brings, is that what you said? Yes. Okay. Now let's talk about that for a second. Look at verse 39. What might God be bringing with to those well to those who are carrying him? Let's put it that way. These are again the instruction of the disciples. Could be a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah, up to and including death. Right. So it, 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 it's contradictory to our, our sort of world. If we're bringing God, why would God bring death? Like, well, that doesn't make sense to us, right? Well, again, this is God and God's terms on ours. Bringing God to people might get you killed. That's what he's saying, right? Which actually makes sense because he says, he who receives you receives me. 
So Jesus came to bring life. And what did it get him? Death. And this is where, you know, understanding scripture, it will always make sense. The difficulty is when it makes sense in ways we don't want it to. <laughs> right? We'd rather not be like that. <laughs> and had you not pointed out about the, the little ones, that that's referring to the disciples, mm -hmm. again, I would have totally missed it. So how do we keep ourselves from getting into trouble with that? You constantly force yourself to do what I make you do. When I ask you a question, I always say, don't, don't look up, look down, look back at the text. It's there. But we might, I'll give you an example. I might say, oh, whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water. I love children. Isn't it wonderful to give children a cup of water? Isn't that nice? In my mind, that's something that I would be drawn to. Okay. But did I get that from the text or did I get it from me? You got it from you. Yeah. And then you once said, okay, the, they wrote the little ones. And then you said before Christians mean little Christ. Mm -hmm. Is that, are they following along with the same right. theme? Yeah. And it's really interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because I meant to say it earlier. I forgot. Here we are talking about the disciples. Remember, go back even farther than what we looked at last week. We said he's setting them out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Right? Sheep defenseless, wolves very aggressive, deadly. It's not like he's denying the fact that they're going out like kids in a, in a, in a, in a grown person's world. So he's, he's constantly, he's going to hold the truth, but he's going to acknowledge from the perspective of them what they're looking like and what it looks like. So, yeah, whoever gives to one of these little ones, he calls them basically, you know, Little kids, kitties. The, the word in, in, in Greek is the mikronas, the little one, the little things. It's not even like a, 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 there's no semblance of strength. But he's saying he's going to send, he's been sending them out like sheep in the midst of wolves. But if some gives them, somebody gives them even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple in the name of a disciple, because the, he's been sent on behalf of me, because he's receiving the Father, all those things you can throw into that, he's not going to lose his reward. He's going to get what he receives by receiving the one who is bringing Christ, therefore bringing the Father. So you can, you can feel the tension between, always, oh, Scripture does this, what it sounds like and looks like and what it really is. It sounds, it looks like they're going to go out and they're going to get slaughtered. And in some sense, they are. And yet, that's going to bring, that's going to be what empowers the Christian message to go out. I was having a conversation with uh, my brother pastors from the area, continuing this conversation on race. And the point I was trying to make, and we got to the point we ran out of time, we're going to pick it up next time, is... You know, if people are being maligned and mistreated and treated unjustly in our world, uh, one of the ways that Christ's message gets uh, spread is by people enduring that in the same sense that Jesus is talking here in Matthew chapter 10. In other words, is it, is it a good thing to help right injustice? Sure it is. Is it a good thing to help people? Sure it is. But there is a higher calling from Jesus that says, yeah, you can do that, but don't do it and miss out on this. 
In other words, if you've been mistreated and you handle it well, you endure it because of your love for Christ and your uh, security that he's going to take care of you, that's going to bear witness to Christ. And that's more important than writing an earthly injustice. Make sense? Let me uh, share a couple of quotes. This last part. This is St. Jerome. Jesus said, he who receives, he receives me. But there are many false prophets and false preachers who perhaps make this doctrine difficult. He has also cured the stumbling block by saying, he who receives a righteous man because he's a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. Then again, some may object and say, I am prevented by poverty. My own lack prevents me from acting as a host. Jesus eliminated this excuse, too, by easily fulfilled command that we should offer a cup of cold water with our whole heart. He said cold water rather than hot water so that we could not object because our poverty or lack of fuel for hot water. As I mentioned before, the apostle gave a similar instruction to the Galatians. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So in other words, there, there's no excuse. You can't say, well, I would have hosted the disciple, but I didn't have any money. Well, give him a cup of water. Even if you don't have the fuel to heat up the water, make it a cup of hot water. Give him a cup of koi. Whatever you can, everybody, in other words, everybody can do something. I, uh, in, in talking with parish councils and other groups have done things in both of my time here and even before, I always have this conversation about, you know, who should give. Well, and you kind of go to the same folks that have the ability to give bigger dollar amounts. And I always say, everybody has the ability to do something. The, the only, to me, the only illegitimate gift, dollar amount is zero. You, everybody can give something. Now, how much you give, we can go into those conversations later, but zero is the wrong answer. Because everybody can do what? Give a cup of cold water. Thoughts or questions on that section? Thank you for explaining that. <laughs> You're welcome. Let's take and, another small section here. Oh, go ahead. And when you're speaking of, of everybody can give, it reminds me of Jesus talking about the woman at the, um, the temple who gave... Uh, a little bit of money, but it was like all she had. And he was commending her for giving all she had. Yeah. We, um, we're starting to think about what future iconography might be in the church, because we have some people who have donated uh, some money to bring more icons in. And one of the ideas I have is... You know, after or during COVID, we stopped passing the tray. And even before COVID, there was some talk of stopping passing the tray. The churches that have stopped passing the tray and just have a, a collection point 
Oh, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, so we beeped at us here. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so there was talk, the churches that have done that have said, let's let's talk about giving and not pass the tray, like, you know, kind of, hey, what are you going to give? Shaking the tray, kind of just put a box there and talk about giving. People come and put the box, put their gift in the box. So, you know, right now we have just a little, you know, cheapy little box and a little stand. We've talked about putting a permanent box, like mounted to the wall, um, where people, you know, you, you come to the church, you bring your gift. And one of the ideas I've had, I don't know if we have the space to do it, is I thought about if we put that box up on the wall and the icon would be the woman putting in her two pennies. And then opposite, the, the scripture says, you know, that, that Christ was opposite the entrance of the temple watching this, right? So somewhere opposite would be Christ and the disciples and then there's one putting her two pennies. I thought that would be a great thing to have. And that That's idea. beautiful. That'd be neat. Because she, of the two pennies, gave more than everyone else, he says. All right, let's look at chapter 11. Let's look at 1 through 6. Volunteers? I'll do it. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Okay, so begin with verse one. And remember the, the original text did not separate into chapters. So when it says Jesus finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach the cities. This is now closing up everything that started um, back at the beginning of chapter 10. Actually, chapter 9 ended with the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That's how chapter 9 ended. Chapter 10 began, he called to his full disciples, gave them authority of unclean spirits, cast them out, heal every disease, and then it names them, and then it goes into his instruction. So chapter 10 really is the calling and the instruction of the disciples. And then now chapter 11 is his finishing instructing them, at least in that section of it. And now he's going to go on and teach and preach. Now, this is a little bit confusing. You have a question. I think I know the question. Let's see if you, if I can get, well, you can say it. I'll see if it's the right one. So I, I went to two. Yeah. Two, and, he's, and John, who is in prison, are they talking about John the Baptist? Yes. If he's in prison, how is he talking to his disciples? It, about He sent two of his disciples to Jesus. So I, I learned about this actually when we lived in Mexico. We think of an American, if you're in prison, you're locked away. Nobody can come see you or you have visitor hours or the phone, whatever. What I learned in Mexico is that a typical prison is you're locked up. And you're not necessarily fed. 
or even given water. You rely on your loved ones to visit you and to bring you food and bring you water. It's not like the jailers have a kitchen and they're going to cook for you. So there was this prison in, in Tijuana, Mexico. It's a whole city block, a couple thousand people in it. And um, did I loan you the book, The Prison Angel? Is it somebody else? I loaned the book recently to somebody. There's a book about a nun who went and actually moved into the prison to minister to the people. So in other words, people are coming and going. So his disciples are coming to him while he's in the prison. They're probably bringing him food. Um, so there's communication. So he's sending word by the disciples. That wasn't the question I thought you were going to ask. Look at verse 3 and see if you have a question. Yeah, why would we even ask that? Because John already knew that. There's the question. <laughs> right? John knew that. Right. John's already baptized Jesus. So he already knew that. So why would they? Or maybe they got mixed up on the way. The so, story. yeah, there's a lot of, of theories about this. Let me read a couple to you. Um, well, let's, 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 let's see how you could guess. What are some of the reasons why John might instruct his disciples to go ask Jesus? Maybe his disciples didn't believe in him? In Jesus? All right, so they don't believe in him. It's possible John was doubting. Possible. John was doubting, or John got confused, or John wasn't sure. That's one theory, one possibility. It was a way, too, I think, of um, maybe John the Baptist um, pointing his followers to Christ because, you know, he says, I must decrease, he must increase. And if he could be willingly letting go of the people who'd been devoted to him to listen to him and he could point them to Christ, maybe that would, he was thinking, I've got to get them from depending on me and looking to Christ because my, I'm decreasing and Christ is supposed to be the one. Yeah. I don't know. That, that's one idea. Couldn't hear what you just said. Oh. How about now? A little better. Yeah, she was. You were garbled, Carol. I think I got most of what you said, though. Still garbled. Just a bit. Okay. Did I? Do you need me to repeat it? Uh, I heard. I to make sure that everybody else hear what she had to say. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, and I think those are the three main theories. John wasn't sure. Um, John, they, the, the disciples, John's disciples, um, maybe weren't believing. And this is sort of connected to the third one, which is John wanted them to believe, but wanted them to hear it from Jesus. And that's the one that I think most would, would agree with. I'll read you one quote. Um, about this text, some will argue, when John sent his disciples, he was neither ignorant himself, nor did he mean for them to learn, which seems clear to anyone who has entered to a certain extent into the meaning of the Holy Scriptures. But this is foolish, because when John was about to die and join the departed, he sent them to ask whether he was the one who was to come and free those who have been vanquished by death. 
In this way, the good news was delivered to his disciples as well. John had already said, Behold, I am God who takes with us in the world. He already knew very well that the Messiah would offer his suffering up to God for the sake of all humanity. Certainly, if John indeed knew that Jesus was the Christ, he was not ignorant of the Christ. On the contrary, he knew exactly what benefits were to come to humanity through him. John might seem to tell different people different things in different contexts. Isn't it true that John had so much knowledge about Christ that he said a great deal about him to various people? And it goes on from there. So, again, the idea that he was helping them develop their belief in Christ. Jesus, I think, used that technique himself. Yeah. Yeah. And John knew him from the womb. That's right. Right. That's right. So Jesus answered, go and tell John what you see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And bless you who, who takes no offense at me. This is another insight to us, by the way, why these miracles are happening. All right, it's not just so that the blind can see because their life will be better that way or the lame walk. These are signs of, of who Jesus is. Let me read you something on that. This is from St. John Chrysostom. Jesus knew the mind of John who sent them, for he knew, as God knows, our inner thoughts. There he was, actively healing the blind, lame, many others. He healed not to teach John, who was already convinced, but those who had come to him doubting. Having healed them, he said, go and tell John what you hear and see. <coughs> Excuse me. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached them. And then he said pointedly, and blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. By saying this, Jesus implied that he knew even his questioners' unuttered thoughts. For, he had, for if he had said simply, I am he, this would have fallen short of overcoming their unstated sense of being offended. And it would have given fuel to some Jews who were already saying to him, you bear record of yourself. All right, that was, that was an accusation that the Jews would bring to Jesus because in, in Jewish thought, you always need a witness. Somebody needs to bear witness to you. You can't witness to yourself. You can be just a liar. If there's somebody who says, oh, no, I was there, I saw it. I have a question. Um, yep. When Jesus says uh, the poor have, uh, your translation says good news. My translation says the gospel preached to them. Um, uh, up to that point, what could you summarize what the message was that they were um, that they were taught? Well, that's a that's a great question, and you would think if you asked Christians what is the gospel, right? You would think there's no more basic question. What is the good news of Jesus? You would think you would have unanimous answers from everybody right it's like it's the message he came to bring right that's probably the most divided we actually are honest and and clear we all answer that very differently if you ask most protestants they're going to give you some version of christ came 
to bring the good news that he was going to pay for their sins. Something to that effect, right? You've probably all heard that many, many times. What was Jesus's message? When Jesus preached, what was his message? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There you go. Okay? So you want to know what Jesus' message was? Let's go to Jesus. Now, Susie, you, you bring up what, on the one hand, is incredibly true. Nobody expressed love better than Jesus Christ. Right? But this is where, again, people come into the scriptures and reading into them as much, if not more, than they're taking out of. They would say, well, the message of Jesus is love, meaning everyone is okay. Do what you want to do. I love you. I accept you as you are. Right? And not to get political. What's that? I don't think he ever says that. No. He follows it up with just what Charlie said. Yeah. And his yeah. love is that he will allow us to repent and will allow us an opportunity to everlasting. Exactly. So no offense to anybody. And I know people have all the best intentions. You don't see us flying a rainbow flag. Flying this the rainbow right. flag? Churches all the places are flying a rainbow flag. And most of them are saying, you're welcome here. And we accept you as you are. Now, we have to be more welcoming to people. Not because we accept them as they are. We do accept them as they are. But we have something much better than what they are. Because we know the gospel is repentance. The gospel is not you're good as you are. The gospel is Jesus loves you as you are, absolutely. And has something better for you than you are now. A friend of mine said it this way. He said, the gospel is not, it is come as you are. But it's not leave as you are. <laughs> Interesting. You got to come as you are, but you got to leave different if you're going to see and get what Jesus has to offer. Because not He offers you better than just do what you want to do. So yeah, go back to your question, Kathy. It, for us, the gospel is always going to be what did Jesus say, and His. If you go back through the Beatitudes. Go back through what we just read in chapter 10 and even everything in between, you're going to see his message is, I am giving you something, but it's from me. In other words, to receive it, you have to receive it for what it is, not what you want it to be. And we would say that the, the best gift of, of love that Christ gave us is not only by conquering death for us, but by telling us the way to go to that or receive that is to walk his path. And when he said to us, actually, we just heard a few verses ago. Um, let me go ahead and find it. While you're looking, the juxtaposition of John the Baptist and, um, you know, the words that, that uh, Charlie just quoted, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was the mantra of John the Baptist throughout his entire ministry. Right. Why is he failed? You haven't heard it yet. Matthew hasn't told us yet, but why is he in jail? Uh, is that right before his death? Because he offended, because he offended the ruler uh, who married his brother's wife. Exactly. So he was criticizing Herod, saying, you can't just take your 
brother's wife. His brother hadn't died. His brother's alive. He liked his brother's wife. He's like, right, I want her. She's mine now. Right. And what's so stands up to, with the truth of saying, that's not right. And then he's arrested. And interesting, so close to that juxtaposition of, of John in, in jail that that passage ends with, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. There you go. And think about it this way. When are we typically most offended? Not when someone accuses us of something we haven't done. If somebody said, you know, Father Michael, um, you know, the war in Ukraine is your fault. I'm not offended. Like, sorry, that, that was not on me. But if they get closer to home, <laughs> that's when I start to get offended. <laughs> right? Because we're convicted. Right. Because and what Jesus is saying is, here's the good news. When you're convicted of it, repent. And when you do that, what do you find? The kingdom of heaven. When we don't repent, that's when, in a sense, you can see how we Orthodox don't see it as God sends us to hell as much as we do. When I don't repent and I'm offended, I'm angry, I'm bitter, I'm going to get more lonely, more separated, more isolated. I begin to live in hell. And we've all had little tastes of hell in the areas of our life that we've been called to repentance and haven't done it yet. That's what we typically suffer the most. I was talking to somebody the other day about why people leave the church. And I know we all have theories, and there are all kinds of theories, and there are all kinds of factors that are all true to a degree. But ultimately, somebody leaves the church because they have sin that they weren't ready to repent of. Because even if you take all the factors, we get busy, you know, life is hard, all is all true. If you recognize that there in the church is the source of life, that is where Christ is revealed in his fullness, then you'll deal with those other factors. You'll find a way. You'll find a way to adjust your work schedule or adjust your sleep schedule or your priority schedule, whatever, you'll find a way. It's when we don't see that Christ is offered his fullness in the church. And why don't we see it? It's not because it's not offered. It's because we can't, it's offered, but we're not seeing it. There's something blocking us from seeing who Christ is, where he is, where he's offering this to us. And that's it. If we ever can't see something clearly, it's, it's the result of sin. I've never had, never experienced anybody leaving the church where that didn't ultimately come out as the reason. Think about when people came to Jesus, right? The rich young ruler. What must I do to be saved? And Jesus tells them all the commandments. All these I've done for my youth up. Okay, go and sell all that you have. And come and follow me. And the man went away sorrowful. He wasn't ready yet to change, to repent and say, okay, yeah, I've done all those things, but I'm still holding on all my goods as if they're going to bring me some kind of, you know, importance to my life. So Jesus is always going to take us to the next place we have to grow, and our choice is always going to be, do we follow him, or do we say, eh, that's a bridge too far? Okay. This is why... Christianity is often misconstrued as 
asking less than the law. Right? This is another misunderstanding. Where, well, the law demanded it all, but Jesus paid the price. So he, we, whoever we are, he accepts us as we are. That's not Matthew. Right? Remember, go back to chapter 6 and 7. You heard it say this. I tell you this. And he didn't decrease the requirement. He increased it. Sorry, I interrupted somebody. No, this is very profound, Father. I, I actually wrote down what you said uh, because I think it's something we should all hold. Um, why one leaves the church? Because mm -hmm. we have sinned and they're not ready to repent. If we cannot yeah. see something clearly, it's the result of sin. And I think from the pulpit, I don't know if it was in a homily or another statement you made, but I think you said recently, reason people don't come to church is because they don't know God. Or at least not enough to overcome the obstacles. I think everyone knows an aspect of God because he's, I mean, he's the creator. We, we can't know nothing about him unless you're totally like rejected, but that's, that's hard to even do that. Even, even the, 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 the devil, the demons can't do that. But yeah, I, I think the idea is that if, if we're not overcoming those obstacles, we're not recognizing enough who God is to go, I'll get aspects of him from church that I can't get everywhere else, right? I can't get the Eucharist at Speedway. I can't get, you know, uh, the scriptures read to me in the context of liturgy by going to a club meeting or whatever. It really is in the church that you get everything you need. So I think I was trying to say, I think on that one. Was there a question with that, Susie, or just you just re I'm reminded? Just, yeah, I was reminded of it, so I'm just kind of putting it off on a page because <laughs> I think it's really profound. Do you think, Father, too, it could be like not having really enough uh, faith that there really is power in the Eucharist and a person choosing not to participate, either they've not really been convinced in their mind of the absolute necessity of that unity with God, or maybe fear, or I don't know. Um, but does it does it boil down to not really believing that he is who he said he is? Yeah, to some degree, yes. But I would say we're all in that place. We, none of us really understand it fully. But I think if, if you're going to say somebody either going away or staying away or whatever, or, or maybe coming but not participating in the sacraments, what we typically do is we tell ourselves a story that makes that okay. You know, well, I don't want confession. Why? Well, I heard Father tells people what, what they say in the confession. I'm not going to go or I don't need to go. I can go straight to God. In other words, we justify the lack of participation. And by justifying it, what we do is really, in a sense, we're kind of writing our own scripture, right? I'm always kind of forcing us, read what it says, read what it says. We don't get to make it up. But I think all of us, in a sense, probably to some extent do make it up. 
we tell ourselves a story that says, well, you can forgive everybody else, but not that one person because that hurt was too much. Or I'll call it forgiveness, but I'm ticked and I'm not going to talk to them. We, we just make it okay to stay in that state, which is, in a sense, a lack of repentance. It's a lack of change. Remember, repentance, the Greek word is metania, change your mind. We don't want to, when we're not repenting, we don't want to change our mind. We have our, our mind set on, this is how I see it. This is the way it is. And I'm not, I'm not moving. <laughs> and all of us have those areas. Let's be honest. We all have areas in our life that we haven't let God move us yet. Well, I know I haven't done this yet. And later on. But that's, 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 the, that's the big temptation. I can do it this way for now. Later on, I'll, maybe I'll change later. We'll see. So in other words, we kind of set a, a new standard. I used to tell the, the counselors at camp, when you're guiding your kids, your campers, and if you tell them we're going to do this by this time, and you don't require that of them, if let's say you say, well, we have to clean the cabin every morning, but every other morning you don't clean the cabin, you've told them we're going to clean the cabin every morning, but the standard has been reset to every other morning. So that's the new standard. Whatever we accept as the norm now, whether we call it that or not, that's the new standard. And that's where I think all of us really struggle with, in a sense, writing our own gospels and saying, well, th this is really what, what I think he's saying, and so I'm going to go with this. And the scripture, if we hear it for what it's saying, never let us off the hook. We're going to be the ones that say, well, I don't take, I don't, I'll take this, 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 but not that part. So everybody leaves their encounter with scripture going, I got some work to do, if, if they heard it. All right, why don't we uh, pause right there? Let me remember that we are 11. Yeah, 11 7. Thank you, everybody. Thank, Thank you, you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thanks. Bye. Good to see everybody. Bye now. Father? Bye. Yeah. I have like a sort of non sequitur question that just occurred to me as you were talking about 